Hey, this is Vatsal, founder of Ultra Human. Hey, this is Mohit, founder of Ultra Human. Uh, super excited to be here. One minute, stop. Ready? Let's go. Let's do this. This could be a great intro. Hi, I'm Akshay. Hi, this is Saurabh. And you are listening to the Founder Thesis Podcast. We meet some of the most celebrated startup founders in the country. And we want to learn how to build a unicorn. Hyperlocal logistics seems to be the big thing currently with companies like Septo raising hundreds of millions of dollars and Blinkit getting acquired by Zomato for 570 million dollars. But much like fashion, the trends in the startup would also repeat themselves and 2015 was another similar year which saw an explosion of hyperlocal logistics startups. One of the most well-known such startups was a company called Roadrunner which was later rebranded to just Runner and was eventually acquired by Zomato in order to help them make a successful pivot from being a restaurant discovery app to a food ordering app. Mohit Kumar and Vatsal Singhal, the two founders of Runner, sat down for a candid chat with Akshay Dutt about their journey as startup founders. This conversation is being released in two parts. In the first part, Mohit and Vatsal talk about their journey of building Runner and getting acquired by Zomato. And in the second part, they talk about their current venture, Ultra Human. Here's Mohit and Vatsal talking about how it all started. So I joined as a product manager eventually to head product for Ola for almost like I think uh, a year plus as a head for Ola. And then that's where I actually uh, started thinking about that this is really interesting because in shared economy, if logistics or in, in transportation, if transportation can make sense, logistics should also make sense. And that was the genesis of the runner idea that can we apply the same dynamics of transportation business optimization to a logistics business optimization, right? And you can say like that would be the genesis of of runner like aggregate demand and supply uh, on one platform yes so just like transportation you have a fragmentation problem in logistics which is wherever demand is you won't have supply but overall both are inefficient right so for example you like you need to ship 10 orders you're in kormanga and then all the supply is in marazali for example right in bangalore so supply is there, which is free. Demand is there, which needs supply. But then these two are not in the same location, right? Similarly as the taxi problem, Bangalore back then had enough taxis for serving the demand that Bangalore had because taxi adoption was on the lower side as well in the year 2012. But we didn't have them in the right location, right? So if you need 200 cabs in MG Road around 9 p.m. on a Friday, those cabs would be randomly somewhere. They wouldn't know where the demand is. So same thing in logistics as well, right? So... That that's that was the problem that we were set to solve. And did you want to do for hyper local or for like I mean, what did you see? Did you see this as a like for e-commerce deliveries? You will become a platform to enable that, or like what what exactly was the segment? All things last mile. So uh, we believe that last mile is the hardest piece of the puzzle because it affects user experience. So if you look at, uh, because you have a user touch point, right? The delivery boy at the end is actually delivering to the user. In the logistics supply chain, uh, no other node is actually interfacing with the user. So we believe that if we could own the user experience there, we would be uh, like a more lucrative partner for uh, anybody rather, starting with hyper-local merchants, but eventually large e-commerce players as well, because they would want to complete their last mile as uh, soon as possible. And it's not just about the speed, but also the quality of last mile in terms of like the driver should not call multiple times while approaching uh, the address and 
basically the payment experience back then not online payments were uh, less than 10% of the overall set so the cod experience should be good the cash exchange or there is a payment on, on delivery flow all, all of these issues should be should be uh, like should be seamless all of these experience touch point should be seamless so those are the uh, things that we were solving for the sme market and eventually for the e-commerce market as well and like did you like raise funds immediately because boy you had worked in funded startups so you probably understood that game of fundraise and all that or like did you want to first build up like some sort of an mvp and some traction and then do that like like how did you like do that it that that zero to one tell me about that yeah so the idea was to actually to to actually take off as soon as possible and hyper iterate along the way and we, i don't think we ever thought about bootstrapping the primary reason for that was that if we can find the right a partner who can back our story in the early days there as good as a co-founder who's putting money essentially right so that was the thought process that we believed in and we still believe in that and because what you're trying to really do is you're trying to if you're trying to build a business and accelerate and basically get to scale as soon as possible you're just compressing time in some ways right and compressing time would require in some cases money or intensity from your end that's how and and we 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 saw it in a very simple way we didn't see it in a very complex way and i mean if we were unable to raise obviously we would have figured out a different way to bootstrap but we 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 got traction quite immediately because in 2015 when we were set out to raise basically most of internet companies were also starting to raise and the internet ecosystem was also taking off if you remember the 2015 rush right and the way it happened was that so we spoke to bloom first the bloom was the first ever fund that i spoke to i remember the name of the person ad parik he was telling me and i had never raised money so he was telling me that oh raising money is cool uh, you get to build what you want and he raised a little bit of money and then go for a series a after 2 years i was like yeah that makes sense series c is when you have an idea series a is when you have product market fit and b is when uh, uh, when you're when you need growth capital right but then when we went the raise a seed we immediately got like to offers as a follow on that hey you guys have started growing already why don't you raise another 10 million dollars so that was with nexus yeah okay how much did you raise in the seed so in in seed we raised a million and after two months we raised a 10 yeah yeah which is phenomenal even with with today's numbers that is still pretty phenomenal <laughs> not not today's numbers i mean i think today's numbers people raise 10 as seed and then 100 as a series a yeah so it's just 10x of what it was in 2015 but it was a different business like for the business to take off and to do 1000 transactions per day it took us no time because the need was there and we had to just make few things easier for our users merchants essentially in this case that everybody wanted a delivery service can you do it via an app that's it right and then that's where we started and and then what kind of merchants was it like restaurants or what like restaurants grocery stores pharmacy stores etc restaurants were the largest because they valued last mile the most from an experience perspective because it is a time sensitive category right so so naturally when we started selling restaurants wanted to pick all of it up yeah and i think i think the best part of the business was that selling was theoretically easy because you go to the restaurant and say okay there is a service which is no cost no fixed cost it's variable here you send an order you get like you have to pay 50 bucks or whatever and you get a ride out so i think they understood this business very well because oh they would get orders on the phone and they need to send their boys out right instead of that they use our service to you know send send it out so 
it was fairly like easy to sell it to them that okay why this will work of course pricing is another ball game altogether they would say okay oh 20 rupees is what i would pay that's a different thing but 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 they understood the model very easily and then how did you get the supply of riders who will do the delivery and you also making sure the quality is maintained because as you said customer experience is what you're fixing so how did you do that so the i, I was staying in national games village back then if i remember i think it was in kodmangla and i what i did was i i ordered food from a few places and the delivery boys who came in or delivery folks who came in i started pitching them the model and converted my house as uh, the onboarding place for these delivery folks that's how it's and obviously back then we had no people to train so i used to train them talk to them tell them about the model i i used to talk to each one of them individually telling them that oh this is the amount of money you can make which is fun because at some point in time i was like speaking to like 50 60 70 80 100 delivery boys per week individually spending like 15 20 minutes with each so that gave a lot of context in terms of like what are the problems that they face usually but also like just like the taxi market like the transportation market the the delivery market was actually capped the delivery executive market was capped in terms of earnings so we have this problem in our especially in emerging societies that the the labor class never gets to increase their income in a significantly substantial way unless there is an event mega event globally right so look at the the amount of money you pay to your maid your cook or your driver last 5 years would have gone up to like 25 30 50 maximum 50% on a low base yeah and these folks are also suffering on a low low base problem which was they were making 8000 rupees to 10000 rupees for the last 10 years same amount or maybe like from 6 7000 they moved to 10000 but the inflation obviously or the prices around them were increasing significantly right so they wanted a shot at making more money like if they were to be more efficient and put more work effort into it they wanted a shot at making more money and uh, that was one thing that we discovered the other one was they wanted more flexibility also which was that i, I can't work for 8 hours a day i can't work for 6 hours a day i want to only work for 3 hours a day because i also uh, study as a cat aspirant i also study as a uh, bca student so how do i like make quick money to fund my education right so so these are the two core this this was a hypothesis in the early days that this is how we'll crack supply we will crack part time supply and uh, we will give people full time people a shot at making more money yeah okay and it was like a paper delivery right not like a fixed salary that is correct so for the merchants you paper delivery for for delivery folks or executive we had a combination of a minimum guarantee plus get paid per okay. so some of the ola learnings you would have applied here in terms of incentivizing them in the right way that's correct yeah yeah, yeah i think, I think uh, like not a lot of these constructs we were hearing for the first time we're like oh this is this hotel work it's like yeah, yeah this works in ola and, and you know, it'll work here and it was it was yeah. a thing like uh, of course everyone wants to earn more that's like the fundamental uh, thesis but if you as a platform don't give them money then of course they want some guarantee as well right so it was a uh, like a basic thought process construct right so now it was our responsibility to set it to more merchants and get demand right and then model okay where, where we kind of can earn money but but yeah they understood really well they were like we are happy if you give us a minimum guarantee which is higher than what we are earning today then we are in and and, and we have a shot at earning more i think there's, there's nothing like okay so when did that 10 million round happen like which month and year i think march uh, of for 15 is when you started road runner right it happened probably in june or july yeah 
and and you were like about thousand orders a month by that time. I think that back then would have been like when the round closed, like three to four thousand orders a, a day. A day. A day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is only in Bangalore. Yeah, till three days we were only in Bangalore. Yeah, yeah, it's only in Bangalore. And and what did your like app look like? Like you had a separate rider app, and again that the Ola learnings would have come in to play there. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you had a separate version well, app, rider app. But, yeah, but it was of course very very like basic and and, and definitely not that's the best of it. But but I think I think like of course ten million coming in, we knew we have to definitely invest in technology, make it better add a lot of constructs into it like one of the key that that theoretically we invested heavily on was the financial construct see rider like the, the basic problem is this trust right and and that is that is another the, the the key technology problem statement as well because the constructs were changing if you ask me every day it was such a difficult uh, problem statement because it was dependent on on cities as well some cities would have something and, and some localities would have something right so it's it was evolving at a very very rapid pace right and and yeah. and that is something that was a very very. Uh, I I would add to it and say that like I I think our driver technology or driver side application was actually a big focus. Probably our driver app was I think the most advanced piece in terms of where in terms of product and in terms of focus. The problems that you face today as a technology company were not the problems that we used to face back then. So what are some of the problems? The the uh, the drivers didn't have smartphones. They didn't have an active internet connection, right? You're talking about 2015. They would have a GSM phone at best, essentially, right? So, um, how do you build a system where they have an active internet connection? If you rewind a little bit back at Ola, for example, people didn't even have phones, right? So Ola used to give them phones. Ola, we used to give them phones, and used to we used to have outages across localities. Like we used to be shut from an internet perspective for hours. Like, oh, this network is down, service is down. You can't do anything. Right, you can't really call your POC and say that. Oh, why is this service down? So from that to basically service being up to people owning phones to people owning internet enabled phones, this is the journey that we lived. And I think we at Runner we lived a journey of people not having internet enabled phones to enabling them with internet enabled phones, building an application that they cannot misuse. Sometimes they, a lot of people would also misuse, which is basically they would use the data up and they'll say that oh, I'm not getting orders. Because data was not cheap back then. It was pre-geo era, right? And you'd have to spend like thousand bucks to get access to data. And you'd end up your 1 GB and your 500 MB. And basically you'll say that, oh, I watched all the YouTube, but I could not get any orders. So the responsibility to get people orders is yours. So we had to do, I would say a shit ton of optimization to to make it more battery efficient, data efficient, uh, so that people access the right type of apps. The driver construct for us, was probably one of the most advanced pieces because we wanted to drive them to the right demand areas, the right workflow, you should have payment visibility. Wherever you complete an order, you should know how much money you have made. You should have instant settlement. If not a week, then within three days, you should get settled. You, if you're doing multiple orders, you should get paid for, or you should save money on the efficiency as well, whereas we make money. So all of those constructs, you should have surge pricing on the supply side. So if there's a dearth of folks who are working and we can send them a new rate card that if you work for the next four hours, you'll probably make double. So those are some of the things that we actually probably built over 2015 and 2016. Yeah. And, and back in the day, like, of course, when we launched, if you ask me, there were, I think, around 20, 25 companies that came in which were doing exactly the same thing. Like the the, the, the changes you would make in the product and there are companies that would copy it. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story. So we had this pricing model which was from 0 to 4.5 kilometers 
there is X amount that you would pay, right? And and of course you were doing it. So so a lot of a uh, lot of startups thought, okay, oh, like we had tons of data scientists and it was like a big geek company, right? So it was every, everyone thought, ki, oh, they have applied some data science and there is some big algorithm that has found this number as four point five. And it was, uh, I'm telling you, it's a random number that all of us sat and we're like, okay, what should it be like? Should it be four? Should it be five? No, let's do four point five, right? And 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 we saw every company now became a trend. Like people used to have 4.5 kilometer as their like a base to to say that oh that's like a first tire and then next tire at 4.5 to five. Yeah. In all honesty, uh, it arrived out of saying that oh five kilometers the mark. Beyond that, people don't want to travel, so we should have a rate for five kilometer. But then it does not sound too scientific. Let's make it 4.5 so that it looks like it is, it is precise. <laughs> and the and the week after we saw like a few, a few competitors uh, having a 4.5 rate card. And then I think all the food delivery guys had a four point five rate. Like, where is this number coming from? <laughs> I think you know, maybe they think that we have thought it through, but that's not true. Yeah. And who were the competitors that time? Like people, I think uh, Shadowfax probably started around that time, I guess. And Drofers, of course, was there. The consumer side, yeah, but yeah, they, they had shifted to consumer back then. Yeah. 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 There were a lot of so like Drofers, companies yeah. that came in, right? When it was uh, I think Opinio was there and then Quickly and I don't even know the names of so many. <laughs> there were, every every city also had their own, you know, yeah. like one hyper-local uh, startup. Like, uh, like we remember it was around, it had, it had crossed 25 at one point. Like people doing same, exact same thing. But yeah, it was fun. Okay. So by like 2016, what kind of numbers were you doing? Like monthly order rate? Like 15, you had that, June, you had that 10 million fundraise. So, you know, what's the next milestone? And and what kind of monthly order rate were you doing at that next milestone? Like tell me the milestones in that. Like, So the next milestone for us was uh, basically to hit the 10,000 orders a day mark, which we had hit in like, I think right before New Year, 2015. I remember the evening of New Year, which was like the most intense New Year that I've ever had in my life. We there was so much of demand from restaurants. Demand was spiking the same day, and obviously the the restaurant partners expected us to magically have more people on the ground, but it, it can't really happen that, like that, right? Because it's a two peak problem, and this dinner peak for New Year was extremely high, right? It was five x of the volume that we could handle. So. Uh, we were overflowing with this, these orders. Uh, it was raining. We were on our bikes delivering as well. And a lot of mess ups that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, we had hit the 10,000 mark. That was interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and also, also I think most of us, most of us were out delivering because of course, the quality of service was what we, we were aiming. Okay, that should be the best. And, and and I think we did these prints, a lot of these prints, especially especially during rains in Bangalore during early days as well. Even when restaurants are shouting that I have 10 orders, but then no riders and all of us would leave our office and we'll go and deliver. But, but customers would get angry while the food is so late and they would give us the food and then what we'll do, we'll, we'll only take that food and eat it. Yeah, it is it, it mess up on both sides. So you're serving the restaurant was angry and then the user was angry. But it's fun. I mean, these things shape you. Yeah, that, that's like a pretty strong commitment to customer delight. You know, like to, to actually go out in the rain and do all that. Yeah, but that is the nature of the industry. Like, hats off to people on the ground. It's, I think both of us, both Patil and I would have probably spent like more than like, like many, many, many days delivering ourselves on the ground and the amount of riding stress that they go through and uncertainty of income plus basically you land at the user address and probably sometimes you're not even safe because these are like distributed across. It's it's insane the amount of risk that people take to <laughs> Yeah. And the quality of life, yeah. In fact, in fact, like I, I think the first time that I went, 
like you you were so frustrated so frustrated because our app was so bad you know, like it would get stuck which the order is not completing or or when you are actually so stressed because of traffic and like uh, you are already carrying a heavy order you know, and you don't want any any issues to come in right and 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 we we went out and we were like cursing us like what what such a bad product you built and we used to like feel proud proud that oh we have built something amazing sitting in our ac office that we are doing a great job but but and and i think since then i think what we decided was we'll go out like made sure that we go out every week or at least and especially during peak hours because that is when things break right in in the sense that okay in the middle of traffic if you're sending someone an order how will he pick it right and and and, and how will he complete an order in the middle of the mess that is happening your of course internet providers would go down what should happen at that point navigation is a problem so there are a lot of these things that we actually realized because we were very aggressive in going and delivering and and i think we we started also empathizing with with everyone ki okay if it is not working we are we can't theoretically shout at them that okay you why are you late and all of that right it's uh, like it's, it's you when you realize the pain you'll you'll even feel bad ki okay app went down it's like so much mess that is created on the ground yeah. i think it was a lot of uh, great learning so you saw the primary challenge for you as fixing supply like you you felt that demand was available on tap you if you could fix supply then demand would flow automatically uh no i, I wouldn't say that uh, totally i mean uh, this was a new product that the market was using as well right so we we could have acquired an entire account for example we could have said that oh this restaurant chain let's acquire it completely but we can't acquire demand at the pace at which we want because the supply has to match up and not just for base hours but also for peak hours right so uh um, that was one the other thing was the gestation period of uh, restaurants trying out the new process and uh, understanding that oh, by the way delivery was a new business in 2015 right so restaurants also did not understand concepts like returns in food right so they were like oh i'll get like five orders a day 10 orders a day if a user returns my order i why should i refund their money right i don't have a brand to protect right many very few brand conscious folks folks would do that but somebody who's getting call and um, is not on zomato not on swiggy does not have a rating problem back then i mean they didn't don't have a rating basically so there is no brand issue they would just say like i don't care about this user right i just want to care about this 500 rupee order right so those constructs were not clear in fact when we used to sell to our merchants they would say that oh if there's a refund you guys have to pay and we were like if there's a refund because of food why should we pay and they would not get it and they would say that oh my food can never be bad so it's just a delivery this is this tussle and the customer slas were not fixed that was a very that's why it was a very hard industry to build in right you have to be on your toes you have to i think the the issue was all of these unknown policies which the food aggregators have set right now like right now that a return is supposed to happen if for certain type of users and a delivery if it is delayed above a certain level what is the process that's what we actually built at zomato for Three years after runner, essentially, like we, because we understood what the problem of a last mile company could be. So uh, essentially, like you, there was always that tussle between you and restaurants about things like returns. And, and I think I think it was, it was a combination of all, right? It's it's like there were like a big piece of it, of course, was fraud, right? Where who is doing a fraud? You would you would never know. Is it the user? Is it the rider? Or is it the merchant? And 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 sometimes it's a combination of all three, right? They would merge together. and try to create a like like try to game system ki okay i am earning more money and, and like free orders are getting created just like that right so so lot of of course technology and 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 focus was was going into building like a fraud engine as well ki how do we 
how do we identify such riders such merchants and and block it from from the system right and all the learnings of course went into building like a very very powerful platform as well. so when you hit 10000 it was bangalore or you were in other cities also so 10000 would be bangalore and bombay okay yeah okay. yeah and then what's the next milestone the next milestone for us was to actually hit uh, 20000 orders actually double the volume and raise uh, more capital it's year 2017 yes how much did you raise uh, so we were set out to raise uh, north of 10 million dollars like 12 or 15 i think we raised 7 million dollars the reason for that multiple reasons right so one is that by 2017 we were not able to display economics in the food delivery business like we were showing trending cost down trending cost and down and up trending revenue that was there but then we had issues like collection issues for example some of the restaurants were in postpaid so they would not pay like they would pay a lower amount if and and we didn't realize this could actually be a big problem right the other thing was basically the the margins right in terms of the margins we did make a lot of progress but i think we still had a lot of headroom to make progress like we're still losing 15 bucks per order 15 rupees per order essentially is what i remember so that was a hard that was, those were hard economics and for I mean, for us to optimize immediately because you can't really you can't really reduce cost because it'll affect driver earnings you can't really increase revenue because it'll affect uh, revenue retention essentially like merchants wouldn't pay and you you had to have a fair policy around pricing as well you can't really charge people in seclusion people talk that one merchant will tell to another person so you have to do a market correction essentially right so we were on this chart but then we were also in 2017 which was a very hard fundraise market i think there was sort of like a crash where all the vc funding dried up for almost 12 to 15 months or more and uh, this was very hard fundraise like essentially we were questioned on almost everything we do right so we spent hours and hours in optimizing to ensure that like company survives somehow and goes through this personally as well it was a very hard thing because since the beginning we were like almost on our own savings and we had sort of thought that oh, post series b or post series a when we start growing we'll probably start taking salaries and it did and when we had hit a snag in terms of growth it was like a double like sort of like a double edged effect effect in terms of like us being poor and basically the money also drying out so you can't take salaries for the next 2 years again and that was like the double whammy in some ways so very stressful 2017 and 2018 early i mean potentially 2016 and 17 were you know 2016 and 17 were like one of the stressful most stressful phases of the company but like that 10 million lasted you for how long like like that was a pretty significant amount like would you have done things more frugally like based on power of hindsight like yeah i mean of course you can connect dots backward and say that for sure back then we were going for the win which was basically uh, you have one shot at becoming the company to cross 50000 orders a day milestone we would have been larger than the most like the la- we would have probably been the largest one of the largest logistic players in india and also one of the largest in asia i remember speaking to to folks chinese counterparts and they were saying that please deploy as much capital as possible right because if you get to market leadership then you get a 100x on your valuation on your uh, on your on your on your revenue so not just a 10x or 15x and that was very lucrative because as so why why would you get into forming a company and doing something on your you want to win right you want to uh, again the the mindset of um, exponential progress so we we went all in we said like we will take hit uh, take a hit on in terms of revenue we will take the hit of cost and we will win at any cost basically we will form the brand 
in front of the merchants we will ensure that we build the supply on on certain days we have hired like more than you can say 3 to 4000 people like uh, just with like basically sheer hustle and the ability to uh, work more hours right so that was our for lack of a better word that was our drug back then right that you want to win and you want to win at any cost because you know that once you win you can optimize everything else and we had seen this playbook play out with uber we had seen this i had seen this playbook play out with ola as well to some extent but sometimes it does not go well sometimes it does go well in our case it was a combination i would say yeah so that's that's what actually happened. like what were the areas where you overspent maybe like was it on like you were too liberal with your payouts or was it the overheads or what was like i think i think so i think you like yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that it's the it's the inefficiency in the system that 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 comes in, not because of because of the money that you have. It's because of the hyper growth that you want to do, right? Now, now you could, of course, you know, embed technology in every piece of your uh, system, right? Let's say even even driver onboard onboarding for the matter, right? Let's say you have to onboard drivers. Now you could always have a system around it where where it's a platform. You enter details and then some confirmation happens, or you could have people. right video based training yeah everything i'm saying now you could have people who are actually physically training people like taking papers and and doing all of that now you have to scale that in 15 cities let's say right you could have people there or you could build a system for it now building system of course will take time or do you have the time right so it's always a compromise of hiring versus building technology right and building technology even if if you have to do that 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 also you need to hire right so so you will be parallelly building technology hiring for that parallelly building and scaling the ops and the ground ground work right so so there is there is never a right answer for for saying that did you do something you know, or were you not frugal it's it's always the choice of growth versus versus being you know all frugal so you could you could choose that so when when the times were different then we were of course absolutely frugal we made sure everything is on technology and we in fact broke even as well at at, at the unit economic level at one one state stage when we were really cutting cost and making sure that the transactions that we do are Are making us money. When did you break even? Like I think early 2017, because we had no option. Like we had to go to the market. Yeah, your runway was finishing. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, we had to raise. We needed the money, so we went went out to the market with the story that we have grown by 10 percent in the last three months, but then we have turned profitable. So we have cut all the unprofitable and uh, optimized our supply chain, and we are now making money. on on a contribution margin perspective right and i got our burn down to like extreme like you can say burning less than i think 50 60000 per month less than that actually running an organization of uh, 10000 people basically so like essentially that was that was the the optimization we, that we had to do so i so in the in that in that journey i wouldn't change that because that is where most of the learnings came from and that was the only thing that i mean that that did make us survive right i mean there was no other way okay 10000 how many were like on 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 payroll like a lot of these would be the gig workers right like all of them were gig workers we didn't have anybody on the payroll yeah but but your own own team like the team which does hiring onboarding tech like res- alliances that that team so that would be uh, less than um, even say 100 people overall yeah Yeah, yeah, not not as lean as we would have wanted again, but we, I mean, the issue was that we or we we should have scaled more linearly and not very very exponentially. Like obviously, you have to hire before you can execute sometimes, but then if you build systems, uh, you can you can bypass that. And sometimes you're growing really fast, you don't really know. Like you 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 don't have the time to build systems. You want to win the market share as much as possible. And when did the uh, tiny old thing happen? 
tiny all thing happened with a seven million dollar round, where v- the thought process was basically the fact that this seven million, along with tiny all getting acquired in the company, will actually help us raise more capital, the capital that we need to scale beyond our current scale, because we are acquiring a consumer asset, and uh, uh, this consumer asset will help us basically create a story, which is that we are we are now full stack. We're not just limited to so we cut, we control the end user pricing also we don't need to like depend on the merchants for a revenue we have more revenue levers that was basically the thing in hindsight obviously that was a mistake because why was it a mistake because we didn't have the money to run a b2c and if you if you compare back then we we were doing let's say around 15 to 18000 orders on a stable day in food delivery probably swiggy was 25000 orders if i'm not wrong but we we were doing b2b they were doing consumer that is the difference and uh, i think zomato was early they hadn't really launched food delivery back then right and and the reason why we believed they could do a consumer play was because the market was super low like the, super early essentially right I mean, in terms of scale the reason why we could not do it was because of our stupidity which was basically we didn't have the money to actually run the business which was we had the logistics stack but with 7 million dollars in your bank and while you're optimizing you, we hadn't op- gotten op- optimized when we raised the money right So we're still optimizing it. We hadn't got into the fifty thousand dollars burn rate then. We took four months to optimize because we didn't want to do a rapid cut where we fire and lay off everybody and basically stop business stops making sense. So we did it in a probably in a gradual way, and uh, that that obviously did use up some of our seven million dollars of capital, and uh, we were left with like four to three to four million dollars in the bank where we we didn't have. We didn't have the money to precisely to actually go out and acquire users back then, and I think so. We had done a fresh fundraise back then, if I remember, of a twenty million dollar round. As what obviously was capitalized very well back then. So since everybody was educating the market, it was very hard to fight the discount war. It was still. I wouldn't say that we couldn't have fought it. We could have fought the war, but I think we we the reality is that I think the the mistake that we made with. That acquisition. I mean, this is our own problem that led to the mistake. I think because we could have just focused on the one side of the business and grown it by the capital that we were raising. That could have been a better way, probably. But you still don't know till you are in the same shoes, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think until you are faced with the same scenario, you don't really. Yeah, and also, also, I think, I think we we were any which is big fans of consumer businesses, right? So, so we 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 thought, okay, we would want to, of course, make make it uh, make it a consumer business given opportunity. But of course, the challenges are very different. Acquisition is 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 something that that is a primary construct of a consumer business, and we 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 of course underestimated the cost of that. So, so yeah, I think definitely probably didn't work out that well. But but yes. And what was Tiny Owl's reason to get acquired? They they were also like facing that funding crunch. Like that is fair. They didn't have it. They were also hitting a bad fundraise market back then. So, so that was the major reason that economics were, were harder for them. Food delivery, they were on, sort of like the pioneers in the market, if you really think about it, in terms of scaling fast. But they, they probably, I mean, uh, it's obviously I don't know the full scenario, but probably they scaled faster than the amount of money that uh, was available to them, right? And if you, if I just fast forward like a few months forward when the funding market was green. Everybody just is the same thing. Like basically, everybody basically spend more money than than anybody else, and basically acquired the market. So sometimes timing is probably more important than anything that you can ever do. That was probably one of the biggest learnings. Was the integration a, an easy thing to pull off? Like pull, integrating a B two C company with a separate 
culture and mindset and separate team with a B2B company which would probably have a separate culture and mindset? I wouldn't say so because they were also, I mean, the to credit to them, they were also very much in the mindset to win, but they were also trying to find the right answer to win back then. And we didn't have a right answer because it was the food delivery business has a mountain of cash to cross, like globally, like I, I don't remember or know of any bootstrapped food delivery business in the world, right? Because there is a mountain of cash to cross or a, or an efficient food delivery business in the world because you have to do a blitz customer acquisition phase in life of your company. So uh, they were also thinking about various ideas in which we can do this. The market was also not ready. So that was probably, those would be some, probably some of the problems. If you like to hear stories of founders, then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion-dollar businesses. Just search for the Founder Thesis Podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify, Ghana, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to the show. And uh, then what's the next milestone? Like, how long did that money last you then? Like, you integrated and you had like 4 million left with you. And... So we, we went in the, with the 4 million, we were in the $50,000 a month type of mode. So we wanted to basically grow organic, semi-organically from there and grow incrementally. We had all the $4 million in the bank and we knew that now as an organization, we're secure because now uh, we will not die because of the money. We will have to figure out a way to grow faster, but in via 100x more efficient methods. So sort of like hitting homeostasis in terms of the balance between burn and growth rate. So growing 5 to 8% month on month and uh, finding like gorilla methods to acquire more customers. Like I, I, what I categorically remember is that I, I told my demand team that I like basically will meet only enterprise companies now because we can't do, afford to do last mile sales like the we do SME sales because if we crack one chain of restaurants, that is where we should be spending all of our time on. And whatever it takes. So that's where I was also spending most of my time. Travel to Bombay, stay in cheap hotels, basically. And like, I have some really fun stories there. But like, basically, like a 2000 rupee hotel in Bombay is not fun. It's, it's, it's a it's a health risk, basically, in some ways. So, I mean, it, we weren't poor, but we weren't uh, in in a good state, I think I would say. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like rags to riches because we were never in rags. I mean, we don't have a such a rag story, but basically we, I spent a lot of time meeting these large chains. That was our strategy. Convert a large user, move, like grow 30% for three months and then raise more capital or basically keep growing like this and get 200,000 orders a day and basically like get to substantial amount of profits because if you're making 10 lakh rupees per month as net contribution margin and that does not pay your payroll, it doesn't make any sense. But if you're making crore as net profit, then it's it's substantial to to basically, yeah, yeah. So to to basically fund your growth effort. So that was the thinking. That's when I met Dipinder because, and we have been speaking for some time. We had been speaking for some time in terms of let's let's figure out a way to work together, etc. Actually started with like, can you fulfill our orders? And we we wanted to fulfill it, but they had an exclusivity clause that oh, can you be exclusive? So as in, if you if you sign up with them, then you have to like call off the engagement with everybody else. Yeah, and Swiggy was one of the largest. Uh, customers for us uh, back then and uh, some of the key restaurant chains as well so we couldn't afford to obviously couldn't afford to get rid of all that demand for something that we don't know so we were asking for like can we do a balance contract which is 
can can we can we do a non-exclusive and along the way if things go well we can think about exclusivity and i was saying the same thing to swiggy as well by the way that let's 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 <laughs> and they were also pitching exclusivity to us that oh why are you serving zomato can you can it just be exclusive and i was like no 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 uh, let's let's go didn't swiggy build this in house like swiggy essentially was a logistics company right from the core right like i mean zomato started as a discovery platform and then went into logistics but so swiggy interestingly in the early days they wanted to move out of logistics as well for a long long time for some time yeah and they were like we are thin layer we we will own logistics 50% of our fleet less like e-commerce right we will have our own logistics but we we'll also have third party logistics So uh, that was their roadmap. That fifty percent of their demand should go through third-party logistics. And in uh, in case of Zomato, it was one hundred percent. So that's why we were thinking that oh maybe we can negotiate a better uh, or maybe Zomato needs us more. So why should we do exclusive, right? So those are some of the thoughts that we were going through back then. But then synergy with Zomato was like really cool because it was oh, A plus B or one plus one is equal to five in our head. And you were still running Tiny Owl when you started having talks with Dipinder. No. because we wanted to reduce cost and cut our burn we're not running tiny all and there's this another uh, clause that you won't run a consumer business by the way that that came yeah yeah of course we can't we can't be competing directly right you can't compete with a customer right so that's why yeah okay so like how did that acquisition talk finally happen like tell me about that like it's pretty simple actually i met the business for 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 getting more demand basically that i think they already started the pilot and i told them that can we scale up our demand and uh, if we have density the delivery times actually improve so i remember the exact i i i, I uh, took the marker on the table and i was drawing this uh, that the tph math as we call it that if you cross 1.7 orders a an hour your cost comes down and your efficiency improves and at 1.7 orders an hour uh, getting closer to do essentially is when your users have a sub 30 minute delivery experience so he said like Well, what is TPS? What is the full trips per hour? Yeah. So, and he said like, oh, some of these things we could do really well if we are one company. And uh, what do you think about that? And I said, I don't think it makes sense. He said, why? And I could not answer that. So, so that was it. So we were having fun working with them. The team was very kicked to to scale and run food delivery because Swiggy was growing really well. And uh, in our in our head, we believed that we could build a very large logistics business. We believed because. There's so many processes that were subscale, but we believed that the design of the process was right. So we wanted to see scale. Like as an engineer, you want your code to to see scale, right? Otherwise, it doesn't like all the effort is useless, right? Whatever money you have made it doesn't make that sense. So when it started scaling, even with a light integration, it it started making sense. Yeah. Very interesting. Also, also the integration was actually very very smooth, even from technology perspective, because we already were very deeply integrated. And and working very deeply with with them um, for their current business itself, right? So it just became an extension of the 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 platform in some ways. Plus, they had no in-house logistics capability at all, so yes. like there was no legacy for you to deal with. You could like build it the way you wanted to. Yeah, yeah it was exactly sort of. that. And also, of course, yeah. So there was it was like like folks from there also joined in, and and, and like people from mind hands to kind of make it up like a seamless single experience. And of course, you know, things started building a lot faster. Let's say on the consumer app as as well, that because it was now it was connected, so it, it was all pretty easy to kind of pull off. And was this like an all stock deal, or like was this a cash also? There was a cash plus stock deal, like cash to some in- investors and also to us. We. decided not to take the cash deal because it was actually at, i mean 
this is imagine it was 2018 right when the market was still in downturn and our view was that with this deal we should uh, start making salaries because i mean straightforward so that would take care of our existing yeah. spends and maybe down the year or two years out we'll take liquidity if there is a opportunity um, because we wanted to uh, take on the upside and yeah. the not on the existing value so that was i mean that was the conscious call that we took as a group so some investors did get get exit back then yeah L- like you took uh, zomato equity basically yeah we took zomato esops basically and then what L- like w- what did you build that zomato like essentially their logistics was what you were building we built the entire food delivery business so not just the logistics part we we were we were a business within a business back then like food delivery was still a small business back then and we we were sort of like driving this thought process that food delivery could be extremely huge and obviously it was showing in the external environment as well so we built the supply the driver supply the merchant supply everything basically back then we had no option if you're if you're uh, building the food delivery category you have to own it completely you can't own one part of the supply and say that oh my job is done because it it actually goes hand in hand for example think of it like this if you are a listings partner player and a lot of restaurants don't deliver on your platform because they don't have their own fleet so the the restaurants are actually waiting for the fleet for your fleet to happen and only then they will partner with you right so what supply do you enable how do you enable them right all of those were like not only driver supply questions but also merchant supply or extra supply questions yeah and what's the you were like part of that uh, that food delivery business only or like yeah so i think uh, for initially 8 to 10 months i was it was part of it so of course i was i was there in gurgaon for a very long time started building the team in gurgaon because i think the idea was that we of course have to shift base to delhi gurgaon and and and, and because they want to a team completely was out there uh, so there was this risk that people might not move from you know, bangalore to uh, to delhi so we had to you know aggressively hire for the logistics vertical as a whole and and set up shop there because of course zomato itself had their own like challenges they were also scaling their own business as a whole so so it was it was like it had to be a new team that is being set up out there right so we aggressively of course like finding people from across teams or hiring you know independently so that is like the, the thing that we started off doing and and yeah i think i think eventually what happened was ki i started working parallelly with with dipinder on 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 a lot of things because i was there I used to meet him a lot more often he he was like excited and he is like okay this the so he said okay you lead the listing business for me from a technology standpoint and and i was there for 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 another thing around in year and then moved to you know the data platform as well so a lot of like projects as a whole was leading the consumer apps as well for for some time yeah exciting i think time out there so how did uh, ultra human happen this concludes the first part of akshay's conversation with mohit and vatsal there's a lot more that they discuss in the second part of the conversation and you can catch that episode of the founder thesis podcast on any audio streaming app like spotify apple podcasts google podcasts amazon music gana and many more if you like the founder thesis podcast then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing technology career advice books and drama visit the podium.in that is t h e p o d i u m .in for a complete list of all our shows.